This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Here comes Sacramento. Three on one. Bagley the step. Bagley with the dunk. And you can put it in the book and send it to the left. There it is. Buddy Hill alone at the top. Of the Kings record book. Oh, I like to see Fox Force 5 in the open court. Fox into the lane. Oh, if you don't like that, you don't like Kings basketball. Welcome back to another episode of the Kings Bulls podcast. My name is Brendan Nunez. Got Rich Ivanowski on here as we usually do. How you doing, Rich? I'm doing pretty well today. I'm doing well, and we're going to be talking about the Washington Wizards. Uh, we got Quentin Mayo of NBCS Washington to help walk us through this. How you doing today, Quentin? I'm doing good. Looking forward to talk about this thrilling Washington Wizards team, like you said earlier. Uh, thank you guys for having me on. Yeah, we appreciate you coming on and taking the time, man. And the way we like to start is talking about what happened last year with the team. And uh, 32 and 50 record, uh, not horrendous, I guess. But uh, what are some of the takeaways? There's a lot of roster changes that you feel like you can uh, move forward with into this next season. Well, we kind of lost everybody. I mean, you guys took Trevor Reason from us. We would love to have Trevor back, but, you know, not for that two for 25 deal. But we lost Kelly Oubre. We lost Jeff Green. We lost just about everything. I think the only guy last year that's returning this year um, that averaged more than 10 points is Thomas Bryant, and we paid him three for 25, which is promising because, you know, we wanted Dwight Howard to work out. That didn't work out, and he's also gone. He's with the Lakers now. But now we've got a young guy that brings some energy. He's cheap, and um, he's just good for the future of this team in terms of a cheap option down low. But, yeah, we've experimented. It's been like a, a swinging door or a rolling door. Um, of this roster turnover from last year to this year. It's a lot of new faces and new places. We got Isaiah Thomas now, Ish Smith, um, a lot of these younger guys and some older guys some veterans that are either, you know, didn't play a lot or were bench players or they're just young, like Rui and Troy Brown Jr. and Admiral Schofield. So, you know, my favorite, my, my favorite guy that we lost last year is Kelly Oubre. I love Tsunami Poppy, man. And he took his talents to Phoenix and he's doing his thing. We traded up. We traded him for Austin Rivers, who ended up going to Houston and, you know, guys are just leaving and going anywhere at this point last season. It was crazy. But, yeah, it was it was really weird to see. Um, this team was trying to make that push for the AC last year, and they didn't accomplish that, and they ended up just, you know, everybody dipped out. Bobby Portis, Jabari Parker, everybody left. And now we're looking at a completely new roster, a new year, a new challenge. It's going to be interesting to see what this team has in store this year. Brendan, I know you heard the words that I also so, heard. Yeah. No, 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 no. Hold on. Hold on. Wait, wait. Before, I think no, 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 no. Before you said the magic words, Quentin, before you get your – I just want oh an honest opinion of Austin Rivers before we get into this because this has been a – Oh, my time. gosh. Please, just honest opinion. Honest opinion, Austin Rivers – okay, I'll say it like this. He had one of the best high school mixtapes of all time. He still plays like that at this point in his career, and that is not a good thing. Like, you can't just play high school basketball player in the NBA. Um, his time here was interesting, man. I, that, that'd be a word to describe, but he's always calling people out. He's a lot of dribble, dribble. Um, he's just oh, – he's an interesting character. So, when he left, I don't think anybody was upset. We were upset that, you know, uh, we lost all, Kelly Oubre um, in that trade. But, you know, when he left, you know, people just kind of said, you know, business as usual. All right, Brendan. So uh, go ahead and say what you want to say, but I'll just tell our guest here that, and th I, I don't know how this keeps happening because he keeps coming up. Guests keep mentioning his name. He's a I, you know, it makes sense here, of course, but he has been the number one inside joke of this podcast, and it's because I am not a fan, and Brendan's a massive fan. Isn't that right? No, 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 no. Calm down. You act like I've loved Austin Rivers for his whole career. He's I, your favorite player. No, we were, talking, we were talking. We were talking. But you seem like you love Austin Rivers. 
You seem like an Austin, no. Austin Rivers fan no, club. Man, like, no, that's no, your no. thing. No, I liked him during that playoff series that was going on right before that. And it, the whole playoffs, really, in Houston. And Rich is like, oh, yeah, and he just happened to have the best year, the best week of his career right after. No, he was playing good ball. That's why I liked him. And <laughs> this has not been a year-long thing. But I think that, if I understand right, he was traded away with Kelly Oubre, right? And then Yeah, I think I misspoke and I said he was traded for. Him and Kelly Oubre were both shipped out um, right. together, yeah. Yeah, so – I need to clarify this all the time. I feel like I'm always put on the spot. Like I just love Austin Rivers. I had to defend myself when I said that I wouldn't mind him as a potential backup point guard. Um, oh, Brendan, I don't believe you. I don't believe you. I think you love him more than you're trying to lead us on to. And as a, as a guy who's watched the team with him in the locker room every single day, you want to keep him away from that young talent y'all have in Sacramento. Um, I'm telling you, he's not a good guy for the locker room. So just stay far away from Austin Rivers, man. Let it go. See, okay. Brendan is Brendan is trying to backpedal, and Quentin isn't buying it. Not, really <laughs> not at all. I know what he tries to do on this podcast, man. He tried to get over on us. I'm not going for it this time. It's not my first rodeo. <laughs> That's absolutely right. Uh, you know, we. <laughs> I'm going to go back and make a super cut of the positive things you said about Austin Rivers over over this past year, and I'll, I'll put it up on YouTube or something. But <laughs> uh, so. But, you know, you mentioned him in the trade, and I, it's an interesting trade. And there's something else you mentioned that I do – I have a question about. Because, Ariza, you know, you mentioned that you uh, you guys over there in Washington, the Wizards would have liked to have uh, Ariza back, potentially just not for that price. And I wonder what really changed. Because they obviously wanted him for a similar price for that, that one year. And the deal that he's on now is also – it is two years, but the second year is non-guaranteed. A very small portion of it is, it is guaranteed. So it's functionally not a super dissimilar contract. So I wonder, is it just the age? Has he just, do you think he's just out of gas? Well, with Trevor Reza, one thing was for certain that he wanted to stay in D.C. because he thought he was going to get paid. Under the Ernie Grunfeld regime, Ernie will give money to anybody, especially if you brought him any type of success. So once Ernie stepped and it was Tommy Shepard's show, or at that time they were looking for a new GM and Tommy was just an interim. Uh, they looked at Tim Conley and Masai Ujiri. But at that time, um, Trevor Reese's agent knew that he wasn't going to get paid anything by this new regime that's coming in because they just didn't have the money to do so. They were looking to bring guys in on one-year deals. They even let Sadoransky go, who they were extremely high on. They were higher on Sadoransky than anybody that left this building. And they weren't, they weren't even going to pay him. So if they let Sadoransky go, they definitely weren't going to keep Trevor Reza, um again this coming season. And that's, that's just a, a plan that this team had in store. Now with Ariza, I think last year he kind of took a step back when he played on this team. And I'm not going to say it was totally his fault. I think he is getting up in, there in age. He's 34 now. But um, this the team was fundamentally off. The coaching of Scott Brooks, I killed Scott Brooks for his coaching all the time. I don't think the philosophy was good. I just think there was a lot of things going on behind the scenes that caused this team to just not work. Um, and they're trying to run for the AC. Like being a passionate team to make a run for the AC, it, just, it was just really low expectations. So it was probably in the best interest for Trevor Reza to go to a team that could do and make some noise in the West and leave the D.C. team that he's had two stints on and go get money from another team because we definitely weren't going to pay him this year. That was just a fact of the matter. Right. What about keeping Ubre though? I mean, I think you guys traded him and for uh, traded him away for Ariza, a very win now move. Like you said, you were 13 yeah. and 22 at the time. Um, I think Walsh was still healthy at that point, but it, it felt very short sighted when, you know, it was going to be at best case, you know, like a six seed. And it didn't feel like a real championship year where you send off a nice young piece when you only have so many of them on this roster for such a win-now move. Um, are you upset of not keeping Ubre around? I know you also had Porter at the time, though, right? Am I upset? The, 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 we were all angry. We were, we were furious. It just, like you said, it's a short-sighted move. Anyone, if you guys over in Sacramento, y'all could see this from a mile away. Everybody else in the NBA saw that this move was short-sighted. This team traded away Kelly Oubre, who was the – Lone spark some nights on a team that didn't even want to go out there and play. Like, it's sometimes with John Wall, he was never fully healthy. He's been dealing with a bone spur since high school, and he reacted, re, um, kind of brought that injury back um, this year early on in the season. So he played on a, a bad heel 
all year and then he tore his Achilles in after surgery. But this team was never, you know, they went out there, they were inconsistent, a lot of injuries. Guys just didn't know what they were doing out there. And Kelly Oubre would come in immediately and contribute, whether it was on the defensive side of the ball, whether it was dunking, whether it was kissing babies and smiling at fans. Whatever he had to do, he was bringing a spark to D.C. And he was like one of those lone bright spots as well as Thomas Bryant. So when they traded away Kelly Oubre, um, fans were really upset. And we're still upset because, like you said, it makes no sense. He had he just signed a deal with Phoenix, which is not a crazy number or anything like that. We sh- definitely should have kept him in D.C. I think he would have been great with that core of Beal and Wall. They loved him. Um, Otto Porter, it was just kind of his time to go. He wasn't aggressive. Um, him and Scott Brooks kind of butted heads. And then him, John Wall, Bradley Beal, they all kind of were – they were never on the same page. And Otto didn't really want to play third fielder to those guys anymore. So he left. But, yeah, it was kind of his time to go. But when it comes to Oubre, no. Fans are still upset to this day. I don't think they'll ever forgive Ernie Grunfeld for training him away for Trevor Ariza, a rental at that. And then they could have flipped Ariza right before the trade deadline and Jeff Green, some of these guys, to teams that were interested in them, that were making pushes in the legitimate pushes for the postseason, for postseason success. And they decided, no, we're just going to keep you guys and try to make another run instead of trying to hit the reset button a little bit earlier. So, yeah, we're always going to be upset about KO leaving. Um, we all have a huge KO fan club in D.C. We follow him. We like all his pictures. We comment under everything because that's just our guy. He's always going to be a wizard to us. He was gone way too soon, and uh, we're still going to appreciate what he does from miles away. Yeah, and it's particularly tough because there's there's nothing to show from that trade at this point. Uh, oh, not a thing. Not nothing. a thing. It's all gone. And, and then the other trade you mentioned, you know, not being so much upset about, but the Porter trade as well, I mean – you, I guess you have a 2023 second-round pick, top 36 protected, but essentially nothing to show for that either because the two guys that were brought in, Portis and Parker, are are gone. So, I mean, would you at least, even if you, as you say, it's time for him to go, would you at least have wanted a better return there? Oh, for sure. I mean, um, with that trade, we were hoping, and, and I know for a fact that the Wizards were interested in keeping Jabari Parker out of, him and Bobby Portis, who came over from Chicago. We all knew that Bobby was going to demand a number that was higher than what the Wizards were willing to pay him. We knew Jabari Parker had a second-year player option of around, I want to say it was 20. It was something crazy that they weren't going to pay him, which he was going to come down off of. And he spoke with uh, our front office, and they talked, and he just said, you know, I think I'm going to take my time. I think he's in Atlanta now. I'm going to say he's in Atlanta um, uh, coming off the bench. Uh, Well, he might start, actually. Who knows? But – um, it just wasn't a right fit. If we, if we could have kept um, Jabari, who I love, he's a guy who can score the ball, he can come off the bench for this team and produce, that would have been just one kind of like, okay, well, at least we kept him. But you lost both guys. You did get caps, the cap taken away from Otto Porter's contract, which I guess can be looked at as a positive. But if the Wizards could have kept Jabari, they would have loved that. Because now, look, you only have Bradley Bill, who averaged 25 points last year, playing 37 minutes, a league leading 37 minutes. But other than that, who can score the ball for him this team? I mean, they brought in Isaiah Thomas, who, you know, they're hoping he can fill it up, but he's played 12 games last year. He's played, out of the last 100-so games, he's played 40 games total in the last three or four years. So he just tore a ligament in his hand as well. That's going to be put back on the back burner. So there's no scoring on this team. If they could have kept Jabari, that would have been lovely, but they lost everybody again. So, yeah, of course, we're sitting over here like, you know, we could have got some returns for some guys, and Ernie kind of, kind of screwed the fan base in terms of, you know, trading away pieces and not getting nothing for it. But we have Tommy Shepard in place now who seems to be making very good decisions, sound decisions, and we're kind of we're in a reset and trying to see what he can do with this roster now. Yeah, I think it says a lot about where you're at if you're like, man, I really wanted to keep Jabari Parker on this team. <laughs> That's uh, not somebody that I'm a big fan of. I think he might be the worst defender in the NBA. Uh, but I get what you're saying. I mean, there is like yeah. a spark plug offense. He can get downhill and create a little bit for himself. Uh, the other guy that you lost that Rich and I were really high on potentially coming to Sacramento was Sadoransky. And that felt like a more reasonable contract. He's young. He has length. He was efficient. Uh, what was your thoughts on letting him walk during that offseason? Because the other two were trades, obviously. Uh, so yeah. Getting something back. But the three years, 30 that Sadoransky signed in Chicago. Um. Everyone thought it was 50-50 with, with him coming back or leaving. I know the Wizards wanted him back, but they didn't, they just, they didn't want to give out three-year deals. That, that was the thing. They didn't want to give out three-year deals. They wanted to have some cap space in two years to really make a run for some things in free agency. Um, and hopefully if Bradley Beal is still around at that time, as well as John Wall, which is what they're banking on. 
They didn't want, didn't want to give out that those, that three-year number. And with Sadoransky, though, he also just wanted a fresh start. He was really, really offended by how Scott Brooks uh, treated him in terms of, you know, he was always there to give good minutes when John Wall was out, which happened often. But even, you know, sometimes we went into the postseason a couple years ago and Sadoransky had been playing backup for John Wall all year long, giving good minutes. Then the Wizards turned around and signed Ty Lawson. They brought Ty Lawson in straight off from playing from China during his season. And he got minutes in the first series of the postseason over Tomas Sadoransky. And he felt disrespected by that. So he just decided to, you know, honestly, he wanted a fresh start. He loved D.C. He loved his time here. But he said it was time for him to take a step and get some more PT and get the respect that he deserves. Because he's, you saw what he could do in the NBA. I mean, he's a serviceable point guard. And he went into FIBA this summer. And he also did his thing as well. So. He was just ready to move on, and you can't blame him because he was tired of playing second fiddle. And Scott Brooks just always said, I have to find more ways to get him involved and never actually did anything about it. So that just rubbed him the wrong way. Are you currently paying off student debt? Interested in improving your financial literacy or looking for new ways to earn income in today's ever-changing digital landscape? Well, on the Talk Money with Mesh Lakani podcast, Mesh will follow paper trails, chat with experts, and break down complex ideas to bring clarity to the mystical financial phenomena. Each episode will be filled with compelling stories covering a broad range of subjects, from buying Bitcoin, dealing with student debt, and everything in between. Listen to Talk Money with Mesh Lakani on Spotify or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts and learn how to spend, invest, and earn for today's economy. Yeah, and I mean, when you look at those three moves together... You've got Ubre, you've got Porter, and you've got Sadoransky, all guys that could probably start in this league and play competent basketball for 25, 30 minutes. And you've really got just a couple second-round picks to show for it. Obviously, that speaks to some mismanagement. And we've talked about it a little bit, but you know, are you, are you excited that a new era is beginning here with Tommy Shepard? Oh, absolutely. I mean, the last 16 years has been nothing but incompetence under Ernie Grunfeld. I'm 22, so that's been the majority of my life. In terms of my fandom and with basketball, that's all I can remember is Ernie Grunfeld and mismanagement. So with Tommy Shepard, even though he was the second in command under Ernie Grunfeld, I would have preferred, you know, we got Masai Ujiri or Tim Conley or a new guy that just cleans house and brings in his own regime of, of, of personnel and, and ideas. But with Tommy Shepard, I thought it was just going to kind of be a trickle-down effect of what Ernie has already done. But he came in with an, an to- a totally different mindset. He values second-round picks. He values culture. He, he's really smart. He's really candid about his decisions. And with Ernie, Ernie would make a trade or something and just tell the media, you know, don't worry about why I did it. He's not, he's not offering explanations to the fans or anything like that. With this new regime under Tommy Shepard, Tommy Shepard is letting you know why we're doing everything. He's really on front street about his decisions He's just letting it be made plain that, you know, I think we have a chance to be really good if we can make the right decisions. We're going to value those culture guys like Rui Hachimura instead of bringing in Cam Reddish, who was a really good athlete and a talent, but he might have those character concerns. We're going to value these second-round picks. Admiral Schofield, we're going to buy in and spend a few dollars to get that second-round pick. He's doing a lot of the good things. He's doing a lot of the small things. And it kind of says a lot for Wizards fans to be excited of just transparency. But this is just something we haven't had in 16 years. So Tommy Shepard has done well. Um, he's going to have a test coming up with Bradley Bill and seeing, you know, can you extend Bill or if you cannot, what can you get in return for him? That's going to be his true test as a GM of the Wizards. Right. And we'll see as that progresses. And I want to get into that at some point. But uh, the one of the bigger additions uh, this offseason, you touched on it, was Rui. And I agree that he's a good culture setter. He seems like he's got a good head on his shoulders. Um, do you like the pick there, though? It seemed like a lot of the mocks had Dumboya there, a little bit of a higher upside guy, which it feels like kind of what you need on this team, unless you're feeling like Wall is going to come back healthy and you need complementary pieces. And then my other question is, do you think that they should have maybe toyed with the idea of moving up to four that seemed like it was available? Um, do I like the pick of Roy? He's starting to grow on me. I'm not going to lie. I mean, I was at a Nationals game when we were on the clock, and I remember oh just God. watching the picks. I watched your go live down. stream. It was hilarious. I was so mad. And you know, if you, you <laughs> watched it, I was so upset because, you know, I'm watching this guy, Cam Reddish, who was supposed to be, you know, top 
top five to seven, maybe. It was like, there's no chance he slips to nine. If he slips to nine, the Wizards are going to draft him. And Wizards fans were prepared for that. We were like, this is a great pick. He's going to come in. He can fill it up. He's going to get a lot of minutes because John Wall's out and, and Kelly Oubre's gone and Otto's gone. It's going to be awesome. And I just remember watching Woj and Shams tweet out, the Wizards, per source, will pick Rui Hachimura. And I literally broke down in the middle of Nats Park, and I was screaming, like, what just happened? Rui Hachimura? Like, I was pissed off. I, I just didn't like the pick. But, you know, <laughs> I see what they're trying to do. They're trying to, they're trying to eliminate risk. And they're trying to make, at this point in Tommy Shepard's career, um, he's finally getting a chance to do some things. He's going to go with the more consistent. I know this guy, what he's going to give me. I know he might not have a higher upside than Cam Reddish or Sekou Demboya, but we know what we're going to get from him. He's a, he's a guy, he's athletic, he's only played basketball for, you know, a short amount of time, so he has a pretty decent ceiling, but he has the tools to be good, and he brings in an entire fan base of Japan where, you know, him and Zion were getting the most media attention during the summer league, so he brings in a lot of ticket sales to a team that's not going to be selling a lot of tickets this year because of that roster. But after watching him in FIBA play um, until he played Team USA, He's looked so much better than I expected from just summer league, watching him in summer league, to the transition to FIBA. He's improved already, but he's going to have to get used to playing every night against talented players in the NBA. I remember Team USA, they played them a few weeks ago, and Popovich looked across the court and said, you know what? They, that team, Japan, goes where Rui goes. So we're going to put our best defenders on him. We're going to put Miles Turner, who led the league in blocks per game last year. We're going to put him on him. And then we're going to put in Harrison Barnes on him and make sure you get in his head. And he kind of shrunk down. I don't even think he finished with more than three points that game. He had one crazy dunk. Other than that, it was a very bad game for him. So he's going to have to get used to getting people in his chest, big guys, guys that he can't just shoot over every single night. Um, I, I like that pick. I like the fact that he's going to work hard. But, you know, I'm always going to keep my eye on Cam and Saquon and be like, wow, what could have been? But it's an, it's an okay pick. It's, I understand the, the premise of the selection. And this, this team's just trying to establish culture. And it's something that they haven't had in a long time. Yeah, I think as uh, uh, folks out in Sacramento, we can understand the, the mindset of being upset and then begrudgingly being like, you know what? This is maybe not a terrible thing. Like Marvin right. Bagley. It's not Luka Doncic. <laughs> now, y'all watch, yeah. watch their mouth on Marvin, okay? That's my brother. No, no, okay? no. changed my mind. But at the moment, okay, I'm just making that. sure. Uh, I love well, him. That's I'll, I'll say, I, was, I think I was one of the most vocal people in defense of that pick. And it, it was, you know, I, I don't know if, if we're going to know, you know, what's right. Or, it's impossible to know, but I am an advocate for – fit over best player available at times. And I, and I made the case in a piece that I wrote about why this could be one of those times. I'm not saying that I felt like, you know, this is the right decision, the only right decision. But I think what's come around is like, this is one of maybe two correct, you know, one of two good decisions that could have been made. But I digress. Let's get back to the Wizards real quick here. And, uh, and, and I want to hear if you have any – because so – we here in Sacramento were a big fan of Admiral Schofield. We actually, like, there was a big uprising on King's Twitter. We wanted the Admiral. Uh, he went to you guys in the second round. Uh, I believe, uh, yeah, I mean, Philadelphia basically sold that pick to you uh, yep. for a couple million dollars. And what are your thoughts on, on him? I love the Admiral, man. He's, he is becoming a fan favorite here. Um, this guy is just, when we talk about culture picks, and this is just another testament to that. He's going to come in here with a good head on his shoulders and his physique. I mean, we could talk about um, the fact that he's 6'4", 240 and looks like a middle linebacker. His brother played linebacker for Seattle, so like it runs in the family. But he's going to work hard, and he'll throw it down on your head. And this is exactly what this team needs. I think he was a steal of the draft, and that's probably why you guys wanted him so much as well. Um, he's just – it's what, what's not to love about him. He's, he can do it on defense. He can do it on offense. And he just – He's like one of those question marks where how bad can Admiral actually be? Like, look at him. How, he's so athletic. He, can, he plays hard. He hustles. He can stay in front. He can play multiple positions. We don't know what we're going to play him at in D.C. yet. Like, is he going to play some, some time at the five? Or is he going to play? He can dribble the ball. He can play the three or the two sometimes because he's just so versatile. So we'll see what he turns into. But he's, he's came here with a great attitude. That smile is contagious. And he, he gets here and he gets right on, on the social media train and he says, hey, Hulu, can I get a contract? I want a, I want a deal. 
he just tweets out, Hulu has live sports. And three seconds later, I write a piece about it on NBC Sports Washington. And about 20 minutes after that, he's a Hulu athlete. So I'm cheering for the guy, man. He's doing his thing here. The fans love him, and I can't wait to see what he does on the court because he's going to get a lot of opportunities to prove himself because there's a lot of minutes to be had in D.C. Yeah, and, you know, my only concerns with him a little bit, because like you're saying, he's super versatile. I was surprised to find he was only 6'5". I thought he was taller. Uh, so that makes me a little worried about, you know, playing the center because it seems like he could really guard those fours. You mentioned being 240. And then the lateral right. quickness, too. Um, and I think that'll come. But those are the two areas where I have a little bit of question marks. And that's really what puts it up in the air of what is he going to guard. But it kind of it kind of is a testament to the, the position that Draymond has made so popular. Like they, Draymond can play small ball five when they go with that Hampton five lineup, whether well, they used to go with that lineup. Um, a guy who's who's stocky, strong. He's not six 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 seven. He can he's just physical and he can make you make centers feel his presence. But he's probably more of a small forward. Um, maybe sometimes he has a lot of quickness to play the three. But Draymond kind of paved the way for him, just like you know Drew Brees and, and Russell Wilson and those guys are paving the way for smaller quarterbacks in the NBA. I mean in the NFL, Draymond has paved the way for those tweener guys that are really strong, have a defensive presence, are versatile, but they're just kind of undersized. So I think that's kind of what they're looking to use him for in D.C. You mentioned that the new Wizards staff uh, has an infatuation with second-round guys, and uh, they got a lot of them now. Um, I wonder your opinion on some of these other guys as well. Uh, Isaac Bonga came in. Jamario Jones came in from Los Angeles as well as the late first-rounder Mo Wagner. Um, You know, what did you think about that trade? I I mean, there was – obviously, it's kind of just pure gain from the Wizards, but what – do you think that the players that came over are going to be impactful? I mean, why not? You know, why not try? These are guys that have had some success. I mean, they're kind of like the, the Lakers rejects. We've had some success with Lakers rejects with Thomas Bryant, who really came and found his stride in D.C. after getting cut from, the, from L.A. So, I mean, who knows? They're, I'm not going to say they're going to come here and crack the starting lineup, but there are opportunities to be had. This team is going to struggle. They're going to go through some ups and a lot of downs because the roster just is – the makeup of the roster is just hard to see how they win a lot of games. But you can – you never know what you're going to find out of a Jamario Jones or Isaac Bong or a Mo Wagner. Those guys, they can get a lot of minutes this year. Um, they can really play their game and learn how it is to play every night in the NBA. And then when John Wall comes back fully healthy next year, then this is the plan for Tommy Shepard and that staff. When John Wall's back healthy and – presumably Bradley Bill is back as well to run it back one more time with Wall. you got to have some bench depth. you got to have some guys that have been there before. So by playing these young guys so much now, they're hoping that they'll get that experience and that when next year rolls around, they'll be able to step in and come off the bench and produce for a team that needs bench production. This The Wizards team, it's all, their flaw has always been bench production. They've never had a deep bench. They never had guys that could come in and fill it up and play make. And it's been a lot of pressure on Wall and Bill, which is sort of the reason why they – Bill was really injury riddled and stricken earlier in his career. And John Wallace had to play so many minutes at a fast pace. He's so just brute force athleticism that he's kind of worn his body down too. So they need some guys that can come in, get some minutes now, get that experience and be ready to help this team out off the bench next year. Yeah. It's some of those why not moves like you're saying. And I will say Wagner to me will always be remembered as uh, the receiving end of the poster for Marvin Bagley in his first game. Because <laughs> that was just amazing. I was in the stadium. That was my first yeah. experience of being in this King Stadium. Uh, and uh, another way another way that you kind of took advantage of a team and was getting Davis Bertans from San Antonio. I believe that was when they were trying to clear space to get Marcus Morris. Um, but he feels like a really big piece for this team. And it seemed like a move of actually showing some confidence from the Wizards front office. Like you took advantage of something and you got something in return for giving up draft rights to or uh, rights to Aaron White. Right. I mean, just those, those decisions make, you know, it's just smart decisions, witty decisions, things that Ernie Grunfeld wouldn't really have cherished. Ernie really has been on record saying he doesn't care about second round picks. He doesn't really need them. And Tommy's at the point now where, no, this team is desperate. They need everything we can get. So we can, you know, trade the draft rights to Aaron White or, or Aaron White, excuse me, and do the little things to just bring in some more guys that, you know, you, you shoot the shots you don't take. And if you keep throwing stuff at the wall, something's going to stick. You never know out of that trio or um, quad of Wagner and Bonga and Jamario and all those guys, you know, you never know who could emerge from that group as somebody that they can really depend on late, um, well, next season or even in this season. 
And a lot of the other moves that came this offseason were focused around the point guard position. Uh, makes a lot of sense with John Wall's injury. But what did you think of the trio of point guards that are brought in here uh, in Ish Smith, Isaiah Thomas, and the undrafted rookie Justin Robinson? Um, I, I think with Isaiah Thomas, it's a, it's a low risk, high reward. I mean, you're banking on him just coming back and, and hopefully he can return to half of his form. He's just a guy that can score the ball and he's going to get an opportunity to do that. And, and it's another, why not? Why not? You're not spending a lot of money on him. It's a one year deal. And he's willing to, you know, even if he does well this year after he returns from that ligament tear in his hand, you know, he's willing to come back and back up John Wall next season. So if he can find his footing in D.C. and just get some valuable time, um, build himself back up health-wise, you know, I'm not going to expect him to be anywhere close to 30 points per game like he was in Beantown when he was an MVP candidate. But if he can just put the ball in the hoop and be a great locker room guy, a guy that can produce and score, I mean, they would love to have him as a backup next year. With Ish Smith, they brought him in because Ish Smith, is one of the fastest players in the league, and believe it or not. It's not a guy that gets mentioned a lot, but he plays a style of basketball that's eerily similar to John Wall in terms of that speed and, the, and his prowess on um, fast breaks. So he can, he can set you up. He's a good assist man, and he has a crazy handle. That's one thing that they really love about Ish Smith. Um, these aren't world-beating names, and talking about it is kind of, you know, the fact that I know this much about these guys shows you what kind of offseason it has been because we don't have any big-name free agents. But it's just some guys that we're going to get a chance to see more. They're going to have an opportunity to prove themselves. And then with Justin Robinson out of Virginia Tech, undrafted, um, he's a local kid. I want to say Manassas uh, Park. I'm not too sure about that. But I know he's from the, our area, the DMV area. He gets a chance to come in, and I keep saying this over and over again. It's kind of been drilled into my head because of what Tommy Shepard has said. Culture guys, high character guys. He comes in. He went to Virginia Tech. You know, the coach there is crazy, strict on his guys, and he expects a lot. They're bringing in some guys who are workers. They're going to come in here with their lunch pail and keep their nose down and do what they have to do every single night to be the best players that they can be. And that trio, they also brought in Chris Chioza, who they um, they liked last year. They brought a man, Florida guy. You know, him and Bradley Bill have a great, um, a great relationship. Ended up going to Houston for the latter half of last year, and then they brought him back this year when Isaiah Thomas went down to ligament on Monday during practice. So just some guys that you know. They're not going to drop 40, 50 points, but why not? Let's see what they can do. Hopefully we can get some bright spots out of this team this season. Right. And then the other guard that we mentioned a little bit earlier is Bonga. Where does that leave him with all this? Do you feel like they're still going to give him a shot? And at this point with these why nots, you kind of want to try a little bit of everything. Yeah. I mean, Bonga is a guy that they really like. I mean, his size and point guard is something that has been impressive. Um, and he can leap a little bit too. Um, it, it's not a guy on this team that's not going to get a chance. And that's why everyone, those guys are so excited to be in D.C. because not only can they pick the brain of John Wall and Isaiah Thomas, guys who have been in the league for a long time, but they get an opportunity to go out there and show it. Even Troy Brown Jr., man, um, this, there's not a lot of guard depth. And Troy Brown, like he played point guard all the way up until his senior year of high school. Then he just had to go into a wing position because he was so tall and long. But he's a point guard at heart. Hopefully, and I think we will see this, he's going to get some chances and some opportunities to play the point guard position and see what he can do because he's not a scorer, he's not a slasher, he's a playmaking point guard in a wing's body. So a lot of these guys are going to get opportunities, and even if they don't get opportunities with the Wizards, that's what the Go-Go are there for. That's what the Washington Go-Go are there to do, give these guys some playing time and some time to develop. And this season is all about development, especially for the young guys, because one of those guys is going to emerge as a formidable option for them to use next year when John Wall comes back. He's full strength. And they need some guys to come off the bench. That is one of the best G League team names, by the way, out there. <laughs> the Go-Go, I mean. I love it. I love it. Is there any, like uh, – is there like a, is there like some sort of reference that I'm not understanding that's that would make that make sense for Washington? So the go-go, it's a really big thing in the DMV. We have go-go music where it's a lot of percussion and drums. Like that's our music in the DMV. It's not very popular outside of um, this area. So keeping it local, we had Chuck Brown, who is a the grand the godfather of go-go. We like to say, and he passed away um, a few years ago. But Gogo is just music in the D.C. area, the DMV area, and our team is based in Southeast. So that's one of the, the heart and soul of Gogo music down here. So that's why they're going to say, well, that's why they named the team the Gogo. And the, the community loves it, man. They, they love the name and they support the team. And they play a lot of the Gogo music in the arena during games as well. 
Man, that's really cool. I, I, I like that a lot. I, I mean, the name already was great, but uh, with the backstory, that makes it awesome. And I'll say, you know, I'll say that um, a lot of these moves you mentioned, they're why nots, right? Um, and I mean, that's, that's fine. And that's, that's totally legitimate. They're, they're not, there's no downside to the moves, but it does sound like it's an upgrade. I mean, like if these moves with the new regime are why nots, that's an upgrade to the last regime, which was just why, like why. <laughs> right. Exactly. So, exactly. Uh, so you're making progress there. Yes, we're taking one word out at a time. You know, next time, <laughs> I don't know what the new word is going to be when you take out why and why not. It's going to be like, finally. Hopefully that word next is finally. That's what we're looking for. Next, you just won't say anything. It'll just be like, huh. like It'll just be like, oh, okay, that's a move. I like that. Uh, <laughs> but let's, um, let's look a little bit forward here. You know, we mentioned a lot of the young guys, but uh, one thing we like to do in this podcast is definitely try to identify someone in particular that you think is going to be taking the biggest step forward of the young guys. Let's eliminate rookies just because we haven't seen them yet, so it's hard to, to say they'll, they'll improve their NBA play. But of the rest of those guys, who's going to take the most impactful step forward? Oh, without a doubt, it's Troy Brown Jr., this is a guy who's primed to make a statement as to finding his lane in the NBA. He's a guy who fans have been ranting and raving for him to get the opportunity to play substantial minutes last year, which is his rookie year. And Coach Brooks just didn't go with him. And that he got killed for that. He got killed, especially with the time where the team is not doing that well. And it's time to, you know, try some different things and get a look at other guys. Troy Brown has done nothing, but every time he comes in the game, he protects the ball. He always gets the loose balls. He has a knack to getting the loose balls. He's going to make the right play. He's a really smart player. He can play defense. Not going to give you 20, 30, 40 points, but he's going to make a lot of he's going to make a lot of the right decisions. He's going to grab rebounds. I think he had a game in, he had a double double during the summer league. And I know it's just summer league, but he grabbed, I want to say, 13 boards as as a wing player, which is impressive. So he does his thing. And this year, when he's going to get that opportunity to play more minutes, Hopefully he can get around 20 minutes or so per game. That would be awesome, maybe 15 or so. But if he can get that, he's going to shock a lot of people because he was a rookie that felt like, you know, he's coming out of Oregon. He was drafted pretty high last year. He wanted to be able to prove himself amongst his peers, and he didn't get that opportunity. This year he looks really good in summer league play. Um, he's a leader. He's took on that sophomore role as uh, I've been here before. I'm going to act like that. And with this, the playing time he's about to face this year, he's going to take a huge jump, and I expect to see a lot out of him this season. The King's Pulse podcast is recorded and hosted on Anchor. It is the easiest way to make a podcast, and it is 100% free. It gives you everything you need to record, edit all of it so it sounds smooth and professional, and upload it all from your phone and or your computer. They distribute your podcast to every major platform. They give you an opportunity to make some money in the process as well. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. And what do you think of, uh, I totally agree. There's, I always love the dogs on the team and Troy Brown kind of became my crush on this team when I uh, was interested in watching them a little bit last year for the reasons that you mentioned, a lot of it being the defense. Uh, what do you think of the guy that, your front office seems to have some faith in. They brought him back, Thomas Bryant. Um, he's nice in a pick and roll. I think he rolls to the basket knife, nice, finishes around the rim very well. Uh, I get terribly worried when he gets put in a pick and roll on the defensive end, though. <laughs> Aside from that, where do you think that you see him uh, progressing his game? Thomas Bryant, last year, he averaged 10.5 and 6.5. And and one thing that he talked about after he got his contract, he was at Summer League and interviewing with Chris Miller, one of my colleagues at NBC Sports. And Chris asked him, he said, what do you got to work on this offseason? He said, I got to work on my defense. He said, I stunk on the defensive end last year, and I got to work on rebounding. And that's exactly what he's going to do. I think he's going to improve that game because he's one of those guys that if you ask not just his teammates, but anyone that's worked with him in the league, they say he's one of the hardest workers in the NBA. I mean, he was at the Rico Hines runs in UCLA um, playing with, all those professionals, those guys who are in the league, and then you got some college guys who were coming up to the circuit. But P.J. Tucker gave a huge speech like right after one of their workouts to all the guys there and said, look at Thomas Bryant. He comes in here, and he's, he's first here, and he leaves late, and he busts his tail. He works his tail off, and he's reaped the benefits or reaped the, uh, 
the, the results of his work and the prowess that he puts it into the gym. So I think he's going to take a huge leap. I think he can actually average a double-double this year. I think 12 and, and 12 or 15 even, because he's going to get a lot of those minutes. I think he can take a huge leap. And he always, always, always goes 110% on the floor. He's one of those guys that is going to run up and down the court. He's going to get back on defense. Even though he wasn't the best defender last year, he made the effort. And this year when he's actually going to get taught how to play defense better, he's going to put more focuses on his defensive stance and his, his rotations and what he's supposed to be looking at when he's on that pick and roll. Like you said, when he's the role defender, um, he's going to work on those things. So I think he's going to take a huge leap. And he's not one of those guys that says, I'm going to get three years, $25 million and be complacent. He has an opportunity now as a 22-year-old to hit unrestricted free agency um, three years from now at the age of 25 after pocketing $25 million. And if he's continued to progress in his game, he can make another bag in free agency just three years from now. So he's going to work his tail off. And he's it kind of goes without saying here in D.C. of what he's going to do because he worked hard every single day. So that's why I went straight to Troy Brown as my, my biggest, I guess, best surprise for next year because Thomas Bryant is going to work his tail off now, especially that he has a full offseason as a starter under his belt. And how about guys taking a step back? Um, I will not nominate uh, Jan Mahimi just because he's the oldest guy on the roster. And uh, I've heard speculation that, that Mo Wagner might be stepping in t- into some of his minutes there. But anyone else you want to throw out there? Unfortunately, I'm gonna. in terms of taking a step back, I don't know how drastic it will be, but it's going to be Bradley Bill. Um, Bill is a guy who, like I said, he led the league in minutes last year, averaged 25 points per game, 25-5-5 and five was the first – was the fourth player in NBA history to tally 2,000 points, 400 rebounds, and 400 assists, 11th player in NBA history to tally 25, 5, and 5. So he's a baller, but this year he's going to have even more of a defensive focus on him. Last year, I mean, we know that Jabari is not a world beater on defense, but he could give you 20 here and there every single night. You got – or, you know, choice nights. You got Jeff Green who could put the ball in the hoop. Trevor Reza could shoot the three. Um, Bobby Portis could give you 20 here and there. You had some guys that could actually put the ball in the hoop. This year, there is nobody else on this team that can score. I mean, it's Thomas Bryant who I was to have last year. He's going to take a jump. But other than that, there are no scores on this team. They brought in C.J. Miles, who's dealing with a foot injury. He's in a walking boot right now. His timetable has been delayed. You got Davis Bertans, the Latvian laser. Um, he, was a, he was one of the best three-point shooters in the league, but he played on the bench. Uh, he was a bench player for the Spurs last year. He can't really put the ball on the floor and, and get to the cup and fill it up. So – it's guys that, you know, you thought Bradley Bill had a defensive focus on him last season. This year is going to be even worse. And there are not any other guys that really scare you on defense. At least Bobby Portis could, is like a stretch big, so he can knock some threes down and he can bang down low. All of that is gone this season. So I think he'll regress. And, and kind of hoping he regresses to a certain extent because I don't want him to be playing 37 minutes a game. I don't want him to lead the league in minutes and not even see the postseason. I would love to see him around 30, if that. And um, just allow him to stay fresh and stay ready for next year when John Wall comes back, presumably fully healthy. We can really see what this team can do one last time before Bradley Bill tests free agency or gets traded. Right. And I guess just real quick on him potentially getting traded, that feels like it's not going to happen, right? That's all the signs that the front office is pointing to that they want to keep him around. Yeah, right now it's it's a no-go. Teams have called and you have the fantasy um, – not the fantasy, you have the fan bases that are – um, throwing out trade rumors and all that thing, all those things. I'll tell you right now, being in that locker room, being in that front office and talking to Tommy and talking to Ted, talking to Brad, he doesn't want to go anywhere. He has made it known that he wants to run it back with John Wall next year one more time. So he will be here at least for one more season to run it back with John Wall. Um, he's not getting traded. They won't, they're not moving him. So all these rumors that you hear, you can take it from me. I, I told you here first, he's not getting traded. Now, as time progresses and next year when they come back with Wall and they'll have some money to do some other things um, for the first time in a long time, maybe bring in another player, not a big-name superstar, but another guy who's more formidable than the rest of the guys on the roster. Um, if that doesn't work, then you got to start to look to trade him next season. And, you know, the season after that, he's unrestricted. So the longer you wait and try to see if this thing works, there's a possibility that it doesn't work. And the longer that goes on, you can lose him to free agency for, for nothing. You got nothing back from him. Just look in Charlotte. They lost Kimba for nothing. And then he had to spend a lot of money on Terry Rozier. So you don't want that to happen necessarily. You want to cover both ends of the spectrum. But for now, for the foreseeable future, he won't get, be getting traded to the Lakers or the Heat or anything at the trade deadline. Um, but if it doesn't work next year, that's when the, the conversation should heat back up because they don't want to lose him for nothing. All right, let's get to some predictions for next season. 
Uh, we want to get a win total from you, but real quick before, what's the rotation, the base rotation like for this team? Who's going to be starting? Who's going to be closing, you know, six man, that type of thing. So um, I made this prediction early on, even before Isaiah Thomas got injured. A lot of Wizards fans love Isaiah Thomas. Um, they thought he was going to come in and start right away, but this guy just realistically hasn't played a lot of basketball recently. Ish Smith has. So my starting five, which is probably going to be the case, is Ish Smith at the one, Riley Bill at the two guard. At the three, I'm going to go Troy Brown Jr. Four, I'm going to go Davis Burton solely because they brought him in just to alleviate the immediate pressure of Rui Hachimura. So they don't want Rui to go out there and feel like he has to be a world beater to start. So Burton is going to get the start at the four. And then at the five, I'm going to go Thomas Bryant. Now, as time goes on and as IT works back, I think it, it'll, um, it'll allow him to be a starter. I think he will start before All-Star break for the Wizards. Um, but in terms of, uh, I think, the sixth man right now, I would say is going to be Rui. Rui has an opportunity to get some six-man minutes, but he will probably start, like, probably all-star break as well. They're, they're going to want to get these young guys out and about, and Rui can just do more. He's a more complete player than Davis Bertans is. Um, but starting off, they don't want to put too much pressure on these young guys. They want them to get acclimated, to get settled, and just see what it's like to be an NBA player. So starting five is Smith, Bradley Bill, Troy Brown, Davis Bertans. And Thomas Bryan, and ugh, that, that doesn't sound like a, a lot of wins, man. It doesn't sound like a lot of Ws. No, but young talent can be exciting, you know, and you got Beal that's always going to be an entertaining player. And like Rich mentioned, the last thing we want to get from you, man, is uh, the Vegas over-under is what we base this win number, this win record around. It has it at 27. You know, you're the third worst team in the East. You're not at the bottom. Nobody's going to top the Hornets in that, in that regard. Like you mentioned, uh, they have the Cavs below you as well and the Knicks. Sorry. So you're fourth there. How do you feel about that 27 win mark? Would you take over under? Does that sound about right? I think it's, I'm going to take the under. I actually did a show on this at NBC today. We did our daily line segment where we look at Vegas and their bets for this team coming up this season. Here's the thing. When I look at this team, I think they'll be under 27 wins because I look at teams that were around the 20-something win range last year, and I specifically saw the Atlanta Hawks. The Atlanta Hawks last year, they won 29 games, and they had Trey Young, who was lights out in the, in the latter half of the season. He had a slow start, but he ended up – he finished the season um, averaging 19, and a, 19 points. Excuse me. They also had John Collins, who was averaging 19 and a half. He was their leading scorer. Um, Bradley Bill's probably going to get to 25 because that's just what he, he's going to do. He's not an elite-level scorer like Steph. Um, like Giannis, KD, but he's just a step under that James Harden. He's just a step under those guys. I think he can get you 25 in his sleep. I think he would do that again this year. But after that, I just don't see where the scoring is coming from. So I would go under maybe 25. I think that'll be the number of wins this year. But hopefully we're in for a pleasant surprise. You never know. There's some young guys that might show out. If Roy, I think the number on his points and rebounds uh, combined total is 14 and a half. If Roy can hit the over on that, I think they'll be really, really excited about what he's doing. Um, Thomas Bryant's over under his eight rebounds. I think he can make that jump to eight, maybe even ten rebounds per game. So um, there's going to be some opportunities to improve. There's going to be some guys that are going to hopefully surprise us. And I think the biggest surprise and that's what fans want to see is Isaiah Thomas. <clears throat> Once he comes back from this hand injury, which is similar to Drew Brees and what he suffered on last Sunday and also Spencer Dinwiddie, what he suffered last year, that hand injury is one of the smaller things that he has to deal with. His hips are fine. Um, he's not, he hadn't had to rehab anything like that this summer. He just got to play basketball for the first time in like four years. Just play basketball and not worry about rehab in the, in the preseason and in the offseason. So if we can get a pleasant surprise out of IT, that'll make up for so much because people want to see him win. So I'm going to take the under on that number in Vegas. I love it, man. You are a uh... – uh, you are you are full of hope. You are full of excitement for this new look Washington Wizards team, and you are aggressively taking the under. That's what <laughs> I like to hear. That's that's the type of uh, fan that I enjoy the most, uh, and analyst as well. I think that uh, I think that a healthy dose of skepticism is always good. Uh, a lot of guys come on here and just take the over because it's their team, and that's you know just call it a day. But yeah, uh, yeah. got to be a realist, man. Got to. Yeah, and, and one, one last thing we do like to ask is just like projecting a little bit further out as well. And, you know, we don't spend time on this because this team is very much up in the air about their future and it's going to be hard to kind of track what that will look like. But what's your, you know, what, where's your optimism uh, as far as like a three to five year range? 
Wow. I think um, hopefully Tommy Shepard is still the, at the helm of this team. And I think it's weird for any fan to, or analyst to say, you know, I hope the GM is still there. But if he's there for the next three to five years, that means that he's doing something right. And hopefully that also will mean that he got Bradley Bill to stay. He got Bradley Bill to stay in town and this team can build around him and John Wall. I'm, I'm really anxious to see this year, you know, it's going to be hard to get through. But when John is ready to go next season. And when Beal is ready to go next season, I, have, I can't wait to see what it looks like for that backcourt to run it back one last time. At, at one point, we were talking about this being possibly one of the best, if not the best backcourt in the league. It was between the House of Guards and D.C. Then you also had Clay Thompson and Steph. And you had Dame and uh, C.J. McCollum. Those three backcourts were mentioned as, like, the top elite backcourts in the league. And this, these guys were really good. So I want to see them at a mature level back from injury, healthy, see what they can do. And if they can run it back successfully next year and make some noise in the postseason, um, it's going to be something to watch because now you have some cap space. Yamahimi's number is off the books next offseason. A lot of these other guys like Bertans and C.J. Miles, those numbers will be off the books. It's a pretty much a clean slate. So I want to see how Tommy Shepard constructs his team. I think they can bring in one more notable name guy to help out Wall and Bill, which would be interesting to see those mid-level stars in the league, what they can do and add to this team, who they can get to come to D.C. actually. But um, three to five years, I want to see what they can do. I want to see what this team is constructed of, and I want to see if Wall and Bill are still here. And I would love to see where Rui is in three to five years because, you know, you got analysts saying Rui reminds people a lot of, uh, Kawhi Leonard I can't remember who I'm going to say it was Jay Williams said that on draft night he reminds him of Kawhi Leonard and we would love to think that this pick from Gonzaga and Rui Hachimura um, is anything close to Kawhi Leonard but it's just going to be fun to watch the progression of these young guys as you all know with Marvin Bagley my brother man so um, we're at that time we're kind of in a rebuild we're kind of in a, a, a reset and uh, that's kind of exciting in itself where it's not going to be a lot to talk about in terms of lighting up the scoreboard, but we get to watch these guys progress game after game. Right, and there's a lot of entertainment in that. And you mentioned maybe sneaking into playoffs when John Wall gets back. That's not the craziest thing to think of in the Eastern Conference compared to the West. Yep. You only got to yep. be about 500 was the uh, eight seed in Detroit last year. So it's definitely a possibility. But uh, mm -hmm. that's all we got for you, man. We want to give you a chance here at the end, Quinn, to plug anything you got going on, any and everything, man. Um, I don't know. I, I, I think my word limit is run out. I've talked so much today. But um, T-O-Q-M underscore on Twitter and on Instagram. Um, follow the Mail Please Sports Network. If you're interested in podcasting or doing anything, it's really just a haven for guys who are up and coming, who want to have their voice heard and just want to make it in this sports journalism field. So we give opportunities to creators. If you want to create, you can just DM me and hit me up. I respond to all the DMs and just, you know, shoot your shot. Also follow um, NBC Sports Washington. I know you guys are across, across a little bit, a little, a little ways from myself here in the DMV, but NBC Sports Washington, I'm doing a lot of fun stuff with them. Um, it's been a lifelong dream to work here, and now that I'm finally in the building, it's been awesome since I've, since I've started. So, you know, follow me and keep these guys in good spirits. We got to pray for Brendan, man. This guy likes Austin Rivers, so we got to work on him. But other than that, man, I just appreciate y'all bringing me on the show. This is my favorite guest we've ever had. Oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, man. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, we No problem, guys. On, man. Not a problem.